Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Annette McGivney is a writer, educator, and speaker who has always been drawn to the outdoors. Her deep connection to nature comes through in her work, and it also ties to her bond with dogs. From a difficult childhood to coping with PTSD and other struggles in adulthood, Annette has always found it therapeutic to be out in nature with a dog by her side. It serves as a reminder to be in the moment, appreciate what's around you, and be in touch with the earth. Through the years, she's had several dogs, including one in particular named Lucky, who helped her through many trials and tribulations. Annette, welcome to Dog Save the People. I'm so glad to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So now, whereabouts are you right now? I live in Cortez, Colorado, which is just barely in Colorado. It's in the Four Corners region of the Southwest. I know it fairly well because I did a vision quest in the Four Corners, and we were very near Cortez. Yes. I have a beautiful kind of image of that area, and that's a lovely, lovely spot. Yeah, it's an amazing landscape and a lot of indigenous history here. Yes, wonderful. And a big part of your story is about your childhood and your dog, Lucky. So how did Lucky come into your life? When I was very young, my family lived in Houston and my father was a doctor. This was in the 1960s and Houston was getting increasingly crowded and busy. And my dad decided he wanted us to move to a more rural environment. And so he took a job as a physician in the town of Conroe, which is about an hour's drive north of Houston. And we were in this totally different environment where you could just roam the woods, you know, as far as you wanted to go. And it was just, we were feral children all of a sudden. (laughs) And there was this dog that was black and white and he had floppy ears and a face like Snoopy. And it was, a stray that the neighbors had taken in and this dog just stayed in our yard and I really loved this dog and I was petting him and so the neighbors gave the dog to me and so my father is the one who gave him the name Lucky because he said well he's lucky you know that he found us and Lucky just became my best friend and I I explore this whole new world of outdoor environment you know and being connected to nature with Lucky. It's interesting that you bring up the idea of being feral in a way. And I think that from what I know about your career and your work and in your life, it's very much an early signal of how you now are living your life and living it really in connection, completely in connection with nature. My true self really became plugged in into the natural world there. And it had a huge impact on my development as a child and as an adult in realizing the kinds of things that really mattered to me. It was really important. And Annette, is it fair to say that you had a tough childhood as far as the domestic situation with your family? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I love my parents, they love me, but they had a lot of mental health issues, I guess, you know, that the time in the 1970s, like you just didn't talk about it. My dad was a physician, but did not ever reflect on if he needed any kind of help himself. My mom was a psychologist. She had severe depression. My dad had anger management issues, to put it nicely. 
And so it was a very volatile home environment where my mom was withdrawn, kind of incapacitated almost with depression. And my dad was just like a volcano ready to blow at any moment. You never knew when it was going to happen. So it sounds like a very unsafe place for a child to grow up. As an adult looking back, I can see that at the time it was just normal. Right. It was just like, well, dad has a temper, so don't you do anything to make him lose his temper. And it'll be exactly. your fault if you do. Best thing was just to try and navigate that. And that's a lot for a kid. It's a lot, it for, is a a lot to, for a kid to take on and to absorb and to somehow feel like they are contributing to their parents' moods and their parents' actions. Right. I'm sorry that that happened. That's a tough thing to experience. And it's very confusing for a kid because, I mean, for me, you know, as an adult, I'm a journalist. So I've always been plugged into contradictions and hypocrisy. My dad, you know, was this respected physician in the community, very ardent churchgoer and leader yes. in the Catholic Church. And the teachings that we learned, you know, in Catholic school about how you should treat others. And then I didn't see it happening at home, you know, behind closed doors, but people were saying your dad is such a good man. And it was just very confusing for a child. Yes. So I grew up in the 60s and 70s. And I know in my own home, I mean, things weren't perfect. And yet we didn't talk about things, although there was access and availability to help. My parents would never have considered it. And I think that it was just not part of their generation's thought process to even admit that there's an issue or to even reach out. Yeah. I mean, I would learn much later. A friend of my mom's read a memoir that I wrote that was partly about my childhood called Pure Land. And yes. she contacted me, this woman, you know, who was still alive. And she said, I'm so sorry that we didn't do anything to intervene when you were a kid. And she said, your mom actually talked to us about it. She was, my mom was part of this Bible study group that this woman was in. And Bible study ladies advised my mom to not leave my dad, even though my mom was worried for our safety. Right. And they said that they would just all pray for my dad. And so, you know, and she said, if it was today, of course, you know, we would have told your mom she needed to like make a change, but. Back yes. then, it was like, you must stand by your husband. Absolutely. So bringing that back to Lucky and bringing Lucky into your life, Lucky was the warm blanket in an otherwise chilling home life. Lucky was my safe place. Lucky was like the mirror reflecting back to me my true self and my true identity. Lucky was the one that I could hug and feel loved. And I felt lucky hugged me back. So like kind of my real world was with lucky and in the outdoors. There was none of that confusing adult behavior in the natural world or in lucky. And I felt, you know, safe and at peace and plugged into who I was when I wasn't terrified of what my dad might do. Sure. You know, he was kept on a chain when we were at home. And I guess so was I <laughs> to some degree, but it was yeah. that life off the chain, you know, when we would go on walks and run free in the woods, you know, that was, that was the best time. That's so beautiful. Having to leave Lucky to go to college was so heartbreaking. 
I knew, you know, it was like I couldn't stay in my house. It was a survival thing. And I had to go to college. I had to like continue on with my life. And Lucky had to stay there and had to leave him in this horrible environment where I knew my parents, they didn't have the capacity to care for him. So it was horrible. Yeah. I've worked with a group called Dogs Deserve Better and their whole mission statement is to help dogs who are living their lives outside chained. And I do know that again, today it's a very different story. Right. Dogs are not chained outside like they were. You had to choose yourself, you know, and you had to leave. And boy, for even a 17, 18 year old, that's a lot to go through. Yeah. Years later, how do you process this? And what has it taught you or left you with? I mean, if I didn't have Lucky and I didn't have the woods where we roamed, who knows? I wouldn't have been able to work through the trauma of my childhood in a healthy way. And so I reflect back with a lot of gratitude. There's a spiritual aspect for me. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I do feel I've had different dogs in my life that have been like guardian angels, like truly were sent by some higher power to walk me through different chapters of my life. And it's so sad that, you know, when that chapter ended, they had to go, you know, and I had to move on to the next chapter. But Lucky, I feel like was sent by some benevolent force to get me through my childhood. Yeah. I agree with you. When I think about them, one in particular, he lives in my heart. He's curled (laughs) up in my heart. Like he was curled up in his little donut bed and I carry him with me everywhere. I believe that they are in a, certainly in a better place and they're free, but I also believe that they were somehow we were connected and it was meant to be, they were sent to be with me during certain times. And it's such a special, miraculous, beautiful relationship that we have the opportunity to have with these beautiful sentient beings. It's incredible. And I mean, I have a connection with them that goes deeper than any other being I've ever shared this earth with. And like you said, I continue to have that connection and think about them often. Yes. So fast forward to your adulthood and moving from Flagstaff to Cortez Mm -hmm. with Sunny and walk us through that relationship and who Sunny was to you. She was with me by my side at all times, you know, in the car, going places, going on hikes. When Sunny was a little over one, my son's father and I divorced. And that was the first thing that Sunny helped me get through. And then Both my parents had Alzheimer's, which was crazy. And eventually my mom moved to an assisted living facility where I was living in Flagstaff. And I helped care for her for six and a half years. And that was extremely hard. Sunny, even though she was normally like hyper and all that, she would just lay on the floor next to my mom and let my mom pet her. During that time also started having flashbacks of my childhood and did a lot of work around the trauma of that. And Sunny was like my therapy dog. I was seeing a, a, you know, a therapist at the time and she said, if you want to, you could definitely get her certified or whatever is an emotional support dog. But she was too crazy, like jumping after cats and food and stuff. So (laughs) people would be like, that's not really (laughs) a trained emotional support dog, but she was for me. 
ultimately, in order to relieve myself of financial stress, I sold my home in Flagstaff and moved to Cortez, left the home where I lived for 25 years in the community and moved to a town where I knew no one. And then COVID happened. And so I was in this isolated situation, but Sunny was hanging on. She had cancer for almost three years and she hung on until she felt like I was going to be okay. So Sunny was 15 and a half years old when she passed. I had her through a lot of joyful times for 15 and a half years, but also really tough times. Yeah. And also you two connected about the outdoors. Oh yeah. You know, by then as an adult, being outdoors, hiking literally every day was just a very essential part of my emotional health and physical health too, but emotionally, I would say more importantly. And sharing that with Sunny, just as I had with Lucky when I was younger, that was my routine. I mean, that's my MO as a human is like walking in the woods with my dog. I have a quote from you that talks about Sunny, and it says, she shared my desire to wander in the wild more than anyone else in my life. And then it goes on to say, we floated through the forest like synchronized swimmers, immersed in the joys of sticks and smells and towering pines bending in the wind. How beautiful is that? Thank you. And I'm getting all teary now, but as a writer, you know, sometimes I'll come up with a phrase or a word that totally nails how I feel. And that synchronized swimmer, embodies the way I felt with her. Like we didn't have to say anything. It was just our bodies just moved in harmony together, energetically. That is such a gift. When I'm walking with my dog in the woods, I try to see the forest through his eyes. Yeah, right. What is he experiencing? Because he's so much more connected than I am. But I feel that synchronicity as well. There is nothing like it. And I'm reading this book right now called The Overstory. Oh, yeah. I've read that. Yes. Uh And for those who don't know the book, it's all about the world of trees, the life of trees, the intelligence of trees, and all of these people that are involved in protecting them, an environmentalist fantasy in a way. And I'm really enjoying it. But as you're talking, I'm thinking about you because these people are finding so much messaging through their time in nature and this connection that they have. And sounds like with you that you had this same kind of otherworldly experience out there. Yes. Yes. You know, because humans, it seems like we're prone to disconnecting ourselves from nature and getting immersed in each other's conversations. Even if we're in nature, we get like totally caught up in talking to each other and thinking about this and that that's not in the place where we're at. Yes. But when you're with a dog, you're like, just like you said, what is in those pine needles? You know, look at that bird and that squirrel and what's over here. And so you're totally in the moment. And I love being plugged into place like that, into the communication of the natural world you know, the trees talking to the wind and the wind talking to the birds and the birds talking to my dog and the dog talking to me. And I'm part of that circle. I love it. What was your life like when Sunny was no longer with you in body? Like a lot of people, you know, have dogs that 
in their elderly years and they get sick and, you know, your life can be consumed by caring for them, you know, and I literally like had strained my back from lifting Sunny in and out of my truck and she didn't have control of her bodily functions and, you know, cleaning up after her and, and I was cooking her food and it was a lot. Ironically, it was sort of like the final months with my mom when she died, but it was a greatest honor. I didn't resent a minute of it because, you know, it was like, what better thing did I have to do than care for Sunny yes. as she was getting ready to pass? So I thought, okay, you know, after she's gone, I'm going to do all these things that I wasn't able to do, be social and go places, and go on road trips, like all of a sudden, like just spur of the moment, just like get in the car and go without any kind of concern about who's going to take care of Sunny or would I bring her with me? you know, no strings attached and had not had a partner since I got divorced. And, you know, people are always like, Annette, you know, like there's this guy we want to set you up with. And now I was always like, well, you know, I got to take care of Sonny. I don't really want to. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll even date. So I tried to be a person without a dog. <laughs> Even though my whole adult life and the best part of my childhood was spent with a dog, I was like, all right, let me do all these things that you can do when you don't have a dog. And so it's almost like I was faking it. Like I was in a play called Annette without a dog and I was <laughs> acting and it was so empty. I tried, I made my best effort, went on some dates. I went on some road trips and like met this one guy for a beer and I was walking home and, and I was crying. Cause I was just like, I really just wanted to be with Sonny you know, on road trips, it just felt like I was just wishing I could have Sunny. And it was all so unfulfilling. So, you know, my life without a dog did not go well. And so I started thinking about, okay, there's no way to replace Sunny. And I am just incapacitated with grief. I mean, I've never been so upset in my life. But I was thinking like, all right, obviously me without a dog is not a good combo. And so I started looking online at where would I get another dog and how would that happen? And I was so, so sad. And before I went to sleep at night, I just needed to look at pictures of puppies. Of course, I understand. You know, so that led me to this breeder in Colorado and this breeder called me back, you know, contacted me a couple weeks later and just said, I know, you know, you're still really grieving Sunny, but I just want you to let you know about this dog. She's a yellow lab, a female, which that's sort of what I was wanting. I've come to learn how that was sort of not healthy behavior, but I was wanting a female yellow lab that looked like Sunny. That's actually not a good idea. I know now, but back then I was like, maybe, you know, that would help me feel like okay again. And so this dog, she was 15 months old at the time. Her name is Trudy and her owner had dementia and uh, had COVID happen. And so he wasn't able to have any social interaction and he had kept Trudy in a cement dog run her whole life that she had oh, been with boy. him. And so for me, with my history, you know, with having dogs imprisoned from my childhood, you know, when I saw Trudy behind this cage, I was like, all right, Annette, Rally, you are full of heartbreak, but there's room in your heart for helping this dog. 
So I brought her home last June, a year ago, June. It's been quite the journey and I love her so much. It's been a whole new experience. Nothing like Sunny, nothing like Lucky. Trudy came with some challenges. Oh yeah. She didn't know how to behave around people. You know, she's the sweetest, sweetest dog in the world, but so scared, you know, of anything and having to show her that she's safe. I had to work with a trainer and I've never really worked with a trainer before, but I've been working regularly with a trainer since I got Trudy. When I brought Trudy home for three months, she wouldn't even get near my truck again. She wouldn't get in any vehicle, couldn't go anywhere. And, you know, now she happily jumps in my truck. Oh, wonderful. It's been challenging, but it's also been amazing to see her wake up to the smells of the woods. It's been wonderful. And I'm so grateful to have her as part of my life now. So Annette, after a decade of therapy to treat your PTSD from your childhood, and you had Sonny by your side, along comes Trudy, who was needing you in a, in a way that you possibly needed your dog. So how has that role been reversed for you? It's like going from being mentored by someone and then you mentor someone else, you know, and so passing that love along and passing those teachings along. I mean, I almost view Sunny as like this Buddha who instilled me with grace and equanimity and a roadmap for how to get through hard times. And so I'm now telling Trudy, Trudy, this is what Sunny taught me. You know, it's okay. We're going to be all right. You're safe. Life is good. That's what Sunny taught me. And so now I'm passing that along. It not only helps Trudy, it helps me. It helps to reinforce all that I've learned and to know that I'm okay too. I'm safe as well. I do feel so much in relationship to you with this idea of healing and having dogs by our side and just this idea of bringing our dogs out into nature with us. Right. I'm just so glad to hear your story and thank you so much for being so generous with us. Oh, I really enjoyed it and I just love to continue talking about my dogs that have passed because they live on that way. So thank Absolutely. you for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. And that where can we find you on social media? Can find me at Annette McGivney on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And your website is AnnetteMcGivney.com. And we can preview your book, Pure Land. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I found it so moving to talk to Annette and to hear about how her connection with dogs and her connection with nature alongside her dogs has played such a crucial role in her life. Time and time again, dogs have helped heal her heart. And I find that cycle, similar to the seasons nature goes through, to be so important. That no matter what happens, she has a dog in her life to count on and to find support with. And I know that for me in my life, I had the same thing. My dogs are always there by my side. And more and more, I find this wonderful experience being in nature with them and in a way trying to look at nature through their eyes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by, as it should be, a production company and content studio. 
It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. Special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also find show merch in our online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.